Join us, friends. Great Scott Spa Guy. Do they know what we have in store for them? They will if they tighten up. And don't double dribble. To the Grey Ghost Spa Guy? Exactly, old chum. No time to waste. To the Grey Ghost. We have not a minute to spare. It's showtime, friends. All right, all right, all right. It is the Spa Guy, and it is... I'm glad trotting with Shree. And we are not wishing Cotton was a monkey, but you know what? There's a lot of people that are. If you don't know what that means, go back to episode one. Today, we're going to talk about something that's interesting. Uh, Trey and I, and it's actually Trey's suggestion, uh, Trey and I um, have been accused of some things that we've actually never said about ourselves. Okay, so, and you'll understand what I'm talking about when we get into the to the uh, to the meat of this conversation. But the the question is, can a person be a historian about a subject? And I, when I mean about a subject, I mean it could be about a person, it could be about a an event, it could be about um, a, another a country or a um, in this particular case, we're going to stick with, uh, it being about a person, about another person. And the reason that we're going to do that is because there's some people out there that would have you believe that you can't know anything about a person that you never knew. Right, Trey? Right. There's a lot of people out there like that. <laughs> a lot of people with Spy Guy. If they would have you believe, well, you didn't know this person, so there's no way that you could... And we're not even going to go as far as to say the word historian. It's just, they would even say, well, there's no way that you could really know anything about this person on a wide uh, level or a high level because you never knew this person. And I would actually say that in a lot of cases, it may be the other way. And I'll give you an example. I gave Trey this example earlier. I said, Trey, if I died today and in I've known Trey for how many years, Trace? But 2017, so it's been six years. Six years. We've wow. known each other. It's coming up on six years. And so, and we've spent a lot of time together. We talk not every day, but probably most days. And I feel like I know you pretty well. You feel like you know me pretty well. But could you call yourself a spa guy historian? I cannot say I could call myself a spa guy historian because... I don't know the spa guy when he had all this hair. Yeah. Or you don't, you, and I couldn't be a trade historian because I don't know things about you from a standpoint of your daily routine. I haven't been to Alabama and hung out with you in your, in your daily life. Okay. Right. Right. You've come, you, me and you've spent a little bit of time in Nashville. You've been to my house and stuff like that, but still, do you know, what I did this morning. I do not. Do you know that. my routines? And I'm a person of routine. Um, I don't. I mean, I know, I know you work pretty late, uh, just yeah. by being there at your, at your job. Um, I know, um, I know you and your wife, like, you know, y'all have special days that y'all like to go out and, and, uh, eat. We at go eat every places. Friday night somewhere. Yeah. And special places. Saturday you have, night, you have restaurants that y'all enjoy, you know, that's right. Uh, I've been to one. I've been to two of them, I believe. Yeah, uh, uh, good food. But I uh, no, I don't know every. Uh, but my yeah. point yeah. is, is even if you lived in this house, that doesn't make you qualified to 
say that you're a historian, would you say that's right about me? Because for one thing, you only know me knew me for a certain period of time. Right. We've only known each other six years, right? Right, yes. But we've spent a lot of time together in that six years, and we've talked a lot during that six years. So I do know a lot of things about you, and you do know a lot of things about me, but does that qualify you to be a historian? Or would it be more likely that a person outside of me and you would learn more about me or learn more about you if they were going to write a biography by talking to you and my wife and my kids and my parents, people I work with, people that I used to work with years ago, people that I knew when I lived in North Carolina, people that I go to church with here, people that I went to church with there, people I played in bands with and got that whole big picture would those people more likely be able to call themselves a spa guy historian than just one person who knew me from one angle? And that's a good way. Is, to, that, is that reasonable? That's, that's a good way to put it because that person actually talked to multiple people that have experiences with you all throughout your life journey. That's right. And that's the, that's the thing that I, that I want to get to. So let's talk about, Famous biographers. Um, and I'm going to bring up a, a particular biographer. I'm going to look, look at his name right here so I know what I'm talking about. This guy's name is Ron Chernow. This is what was written about Ron Chernow's book on George Washington, the first president of the United States. Ron Chernow won a Pulitzer Prize for his bi biography of George Washington. Gordon Wood, an esteemed historian of the American Revolution, called Chernow's book the best, most comprehensive, and most balanced single-volume biography of Washington ever written. Wow. Okay. Wow. Okay. So that's pretty good. This guy won a Pulitzer Prize for Pulitzer his Prize. book. Wow. Okay. <laughs> and and, um, and uh, so I would have to think that – it was well done, would you say? I would think so. If they he got that prize, if he if he, I would say that. Chernow is a George Washington historian. Is that fair? I could say that he put the time and the work and the research in it. Did Chernow know George Washington? I uh, what's his date? What's his dates? Did he live during George Washington? George Washington. <laughs> George Washington died. In, uh, let's go back. George Washington passed away in, um, 1799. 1799. Okay. Okay. So we're going to take, I've got a calculator here just so we can, can get it. Uh, this biographer was born in 1949. Okay. I'm entering 1949 and I'm going to subtract 1799. That is 150 years exactly. Okay. So he didn't okay. know George Washington. So George Washington died 150 years before this guy was born. Okay. okay. So George so, Washington died 150 years before this moron came along to, to yeah, write this, this historian. I mean, this historian. My bad. My no, bad. This historian. This guy worked his butt off and found all the stuff see in this in this particular case he couldn't even find people to talk to okay he had to find publications 
things that he could read about George Washington so he could understand who this person was to put this volume together. Okay. In our particular case, we actually are able to, the, the, the subjects that we go through, and friends, if you don't know our work, we do uh, YouTube and history videos about Elvis, James Dean, Marilyn Monroe, uh, Jane Mansfield, um, Michael Jordan, um, uh, uh, Pistol Pete. Pistol Maravich. Pete Maravich, that's my man. Um, let's see, who else? Uh, uh, Johnny Cash. Johnny Cash, Clark Gable, um, Clint Eastwood. Yeah, and just a, a plethora of people. And the way we go about it is we go find people that knew this person. And we read everything that we can read for the people that have already passed. And we watch everything that we can watch for the people that have already passed. Luckily now, and see, the thing about it is in George Washington's time, there was no video, no audio. There's nothing. There's nothing but reading material. So I would say that this Pulitzer Prize winning uh, biography was very limited in its ability to find out who George Washington really was. Yeah. Would you say that's fair? Hey, I would agree with you, Billy. He that's pretty impressive uh, when you think about that time period and all the less uh, um, documentation and um, out, outlets for him to, to learn stories about George Washington exists. So what he accomplished is pretty impressive. It has to be firsthand accounts from people that wrote things in books. Mm -hmm. Newspaper articles, and he searched these things out and read them. How long did that take? That was years. That's a good thing to, for us to research and figure out. Yeah. Know, and, uh, and on the particular subject of Elvis, we were going to try not to mention the name, but I don't know how we can't. What we're trying to do is we don't want these podcasts to be about Elvis and Elvis only. We want it to be a, a very wide variety of subjects. But in this particular case, I have been studying Elvis since 1976. And uh, how long have you been studying Elvis? 2007. While you were in college? Well, I was in college. I started. How uh, long is that? 15 years, 16 years? Yeah, 2007, 8, 9. Yeah, 17. So that's, that's 15, I first really years. Started, that, that is when I first really started wanting to learn more about Elvis. Yeah. And I, knew, I, knew, I knew about Elvis. I just was not really a fan. Yeah. Uh, but after that, I started you know, really digging about the guy and I found it fascinating as I've told you. Yeah. And you and I don't call ourselves Elvis historians, but there's people that do. And, uh, but there's people that don't like that, <laughs> that are family members and that kind of stuff. They feel like that they're the only person that can know anything about Elvis because they were there. And so it's just funny to me that, that they try to limit Elvis to their visual scope, what they could physically see. And mm -hmm. I know how families are. Uh, there's things that Elvis did that he didn't want them to know about. Yeah. You know, and so there's all <laughs> kinds of stuff that he kept from all family members mm -hmm. that he didn't keep from other people that would know either other parts of the story. So the scope is so wide there um that it's amazing the best elvis biography there uh, that i've ever seen is peter gorelnik and peter gorelnik um the very first biography the very first book the last train to memphis 
was well, well researched. I mean, what he did was amazing. But how did he do it? He didn't talk to one family member. Talk to everyone. Okay. So how did Boz do it in the movie? Now um, we're back to the movie. He talked, he talked to, to one person or two people, maybe? Yeah. I, oh, I can tell you this. Yeah, because I, I saw Sam photos Bell. of the actor, that uh, John Travolta, that played Elvis. I saw photos of the book that he was reading. There's yeah. pictures out there, so it shows where he was getting his information from. Yeah, and what book was that? It was uh, um, Jerry Schilling's book. That's right. That's why Jerry. So it was Priscilla, that's, Jerry, that's, and Sam Bell, and that's it. Now, you know, Jerry was a part of the Elvis story, of course, a great guy and, and stuff. I respect uh, uh, Schilling, Jerry Schilling, but um, they put Jerry like he was Diamond Joe Esposito in the uh, picture. Yeah. In the, and But that book proved why, you know, they're taking the yeah. stories and stuff. But and that's why the movie I think didn't really capture, in my opinion, didn't capture the essence of Elvis, because it took in Elvis from one or two vantage points, and that's it. It didn't take in Elvis from all these different vantage points. There's a lot of people that are still alive that could have been a part of that work to make it as accurate as possible. So let's go back to um, to Gorelnik. Gorelnik's first book, in my opinion, is about 98% accurate. There's very little in it that you read that is not accurate. And that, and what I account that for, nobody's book can be 100% accurate because of the vastness of this subject. The same thing as my videos can't be 100% accurate. Trey's videos can't be 100% accurate because a lot of times we're told things by one person from their vantage point, or they're trying to skew things in their direction to build themselves up in the story or whatever. And then we find out that what that person said is actually not factual or not accurate. So talk about that a little bit, Trey. What are some of your experiences to that then? Well, <laughs> <laughs> there's been a, quite a few things that have, you know, I've scratched my head about like, you know, things ending up in, in Elvis's swimming pool, yeah. Um, you remember that one, Billy? Yeah. Um, um, things like. It's all things just running in my head. I'm trying to. to and, think. and what he's talking it's, about is we have one family member that claims that Elvis ran a golf cart off in the swimming pool at Graceland. We have another family member that says it never happened. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. There's two conflicting stories there. Okay, so the thing is, both of those people were not there 100% of the time, ever. Mm -hmm. So how can you just say something didn't happen? Now, I can then, tell you... Go ahead. Then we have a movie theater location. Yeah, that's uh, another good one. I want you to bring that up in this. but then, Oh, I'm going to bring it up because, okay. I, you know, it should be brought up. It's reported by the people that worked at the theater that day. Few people, not just one. A we few have eight witnesses that happened there. That Elvis was inside their theater for the last movie. Yeah. Three days witnesses. before his death or whatever the dates, four days before his death. And uh, it's also reported in a article a few weeks later after Elvis's death that was released that you spy guy found the guy that wrote the article. And he actually said he got his information from Memphis mafia members and by two of the people that say that we're wrong. 
<laughs> so you know, there's more conflicts to this Elvis yeah. story. That's Jackson Baker. Is that is that uh, reporter? And what he's talking about is Jackson Baker actually had the idea when Elvis passed away. What was the last days of Elvis's life like? What did he do? Which is a great thought. He Thanks was a uh, a local uh, reporter or really a local journalist. He didn't write so much, I don't think, for the newspaper stuff. He wrote more for the uh, Memphis uh, Magazine, things like that, the local Memphis Magazine. And yeah. he still, by the way, writes for that magazine today, which is a long, long time. I got to meet Jackson Baker, and he was great, very, very sharp. And Jackson um, just had that idea. So what did he do? He didn't go interview one person. He interviewed Jerry Schilling. Mm -hmm. He interviewed Sam Thompson, which if you're not Elvis fans, these guys were uh, Memphis Mafia insiders, Elvis's friends. He interviewed Billy Smith. He interviewed um, Joe. Uh, Joe. He interviewed who else? Was it Charlie? Um, yeah, he interviewed Charlie Hodge. He knew. Uh, oh, he George. I, but I think he knew Jerry's. He knew him and Jerry Schilling were friends. So that's six people that he interviewed. And when he put his article out a month later, um, that article said that the movie happened at the Southbrook Four Theater. It didn't happen at the Whitehaven Theater. So I wouldn't even that I would. It didn't even cross my mind about that subject when we were talking about doing this particular subject in the podcast. What we're trying to do is show you that a person that studies widely and talks to a lot of people can give you a better picture yeah. than a person that only looks at it from their standpoint. And if you don't agree with them, their thing is this. So between these two family members, one of them says the golf cart went in the pool. One of them says it didn't. Who do we believe? That's right. the question. And there was a time when I would have believed the one that said that it didn't. And there was a time that I would have believed the one that said that it did. But both of them have done so many things to make me question <laughs> the validity of, of a lot of things that they've said that I wouldn't bet on either way at this point. What do you think? Oh, I agree with you 100%, Billy. But it's, it's based on the fact, just like Gorillaneck did for this book, all those pages come from multiple people in Elvis Presley's life. Multiple. That's how he was able to put together a story in chronological order from his birth to whatever year this book ends on, I think is like maybe 1958. Or yeah. It's at the end of the early era. Right. Before the if book you era. go to the back of the book, you'll see names, Dudley Brown, Aubrey Brown, Jim Ed Brown, Marshall Brown, Maxine Brown, Robert Carlton Brown, uh, Henry Bonnie. Kennan, Lewis Cantor. I think that was a uh, director of Elvis, right? Yeah, I think so. Uh, Billy Stalton. No, Billy's not there. Um, Tommy <laughs> Collins. So I, I'm just saying, these are all kind of people that this guy, uh, Grail Neck, called up on a phone. He went to visit. I know personally he went to visit uh, some of the people I have spoken with because they have told me that they took Grail Neck around Memphis. Mm -hmm. And not only that, they told me that they got Grail Neck in touch with this guy and that guy and then five other people. So you mm -hmm. see, just like how we experience it today with finding people, it sometimes leads to somebody else that, hey, you need to talk to this person because uh, she actually went out to a diner with Elvis after the movie. 
mm-hmm. you know, you lead to another story that nobody's ever heard about. And that's what Grelneck did. But like your point earlier is, is this Grelneck, the uh, writer for the George Washington book, he didn't talk to one person. He didn't take everything he knows about George Washington from, from George Washington's wife or from George's kid or from uh, um, the vice president or whoever worked on his cabinet. He went to everyone that he could find as far as documentation and things written. And he concluded his life story of George Washington based on what he learned from all these people that knew him. That's, that's a fact. And speaking of George Washington, we'll just do a little quick aside. Something that I find fascinating about George Washington and about American history is that when did we uh, declare our independence? Uh, what year? 1776. That's right. July the 4th, 1776, right? So George Washington became president that day, right? That's a good. That's a good uh, question. <laughs> I don't want to say yes, and because I feel like it could be no. Yeah. Did he, he didn't become president, did he? No, no, no he yes, didn't. He was. Ne- he was not. They were still fighting the British. You wow. declare your independence. They don't just go okay, <laughs> and they leave and go back home. They fought the British for thirteen years. the The office of the president was established in seventeen. Um, 89, 13 years after we declared our independence. So he became the president in 1789. Now, a lot of people would say, uh, some people believe that Benjamin Franklin was president of the United States because he's on a $100 bill, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, well, Benjamin died in, I think, 1790. I'm going to say he died in 1791. I'm just going for memory. But he couldn't be president because he died while George Washington was still president. So that never happened. And so my point there is, is everything is not like you would think that it would be if you're just thinking about a subject or how something would be. I always thought that was fascinating that that those guys signed the declaration and then they went to work to fight for it. Well, you don't hear that part of the story. Mm-mm. You know, what you hear is he was our first president. Well, yeah, he was. But this dude had to go out and literally fight the British to for another for another 13 years, 13 years to, to get to the point where he could become president. <laughs> and then they came back in the, in the war of, was it 1812? And, you know, they ran their butts off. So he became president in 1812. They decided to come back and try it again, burn the white house down, you know? And so that's just fascinating to me that there was that period of time that you don't even really hear about. But it was a critical period of time because during that 13 years, they could have denied our ability to be independent. Well, we beat their butt twice and sent them back home. That's what happened. <laughs> Is that what you happened? Know, that's what happened. And um, um, but <laughs> I mean, that's that's what happened. It's, uh, okay, <laughs> twice. <laughs> yeah. we did it twice. Anyway. Yeah, and imagine, well, you know, and from the, from a standpoint of the soldiers, imagine, think about this. You're a soldier in the British Army, and you didn't jump on an airplane just fly over here. You had to get on a boat and come over here and then get out and then get out. Can you imagine the fatigue? Right now, if I fly to England and get out and start walking around downtown London tomorrow, I'm going to be tired from jet lag. These guys took boats and different things that took, weeks to get here 
Wow. And then they had to come here and find a place that they could be, and people were trying to kill them. And it's, I mean, could you just that what it took to and make then, the United but, States United States is just crazy. And then Billy, they're riding horses everywhere. Yeah, there's <laughs> you no galloping of any kind to get to Washington or wherever they had to go. You know, there's no plumbing. There's no uh, uh, running water. There's no heated water. There's no, I mean. <laughs> No toilets. I, I can't even wrap my head around that. So uh, I just want to make this point, Buzz. If you're watching, which you probably are, just make sure don't do a movie about George Washington. Yeah, please don't. Please, please don't. Yeah, yeah. Because we don't want George actually getting beat during that. Right, that's what I'm just saying. That's what would happen. <laughs> and then the music, some kind of modern music, could be playing in the background. Yeah. <laughs> but what happened is they tried to break our will to be independent and we broke their will to try to stop us from being independent. That's, that's basically what happened. Yeah. I want to go get like this the, book now though. I want to get that uh, book written about George Washington. Yeah. It's got to be fascinating. See what the guy did. Um, and so and now let's it. talk about an older book. Okay. And it's a biography as well. It's called the Bible. Oh, yeah. So, <laughs> And that's that Bible old. was written by a lot of different authors. I think there's 66 books in the Bible. And is there, I may be stepping out, but I think there's 33 different authors. How, how right. many authors in the Bible? I think it's 33. Let's look it up. All right. So let's, let's look that up while we're, while we're going. But yeah, that's, that's an old, old book right there. Yeah. 33. Let's see. How many authors? I know people are screaming at us right now. Yeah, I'm sure that there's who wrote the Bible. They're saying 35 traditional authors. I don't know what traditional means, but the number that's always stuck in my mind is 33. Okay, so let's talk about them. And I'll go down the list quickly. Moses wrote Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They don't know who wrote Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1 Samuel, and 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings. Lori and I are reading in 1st and 2nd Kings right now. And wow, there's some there's some wild stuff in there. Boy, you get 1st uh, Kings uh, chapter 13 and start reading about the man of God and the the prophet and what the prophet did to him. Woo. That's uh that's some scary stuff. So what that tells me, friends, and I'm gonna look in the camera and tell you, is you better know your Bible. You better read it so you know it, so you know who is lying to you and who is telling you the truth. That, Or you better trust who is telling you because there's so many false prophets out there right now. So many. I mean, so many. I know some of them personally, okay? So that's just an aside. And the only way that you know a false prophet is, uh, I think... I think it was uh, I think it was Paul that said, "Take that book and eat it." He told him to take that Bible and ingest it, eat it, know it, let it become part of you. Part so of you time. know, in the end times, we're in the end times. So you know when you get to the end times, what's going on and who is saying the right stuff and who is not saying the right stuff. And I would say the same thing if you're interested in history. Don't get your history from just anybody. Make sure it's someone that you trust and then start checking the things that they are saying 
against the things that you know to be true. And I've even told Trey that when I'm doing interviews, I'm going down the, um, when I'm listening to someone and Trey's doing the same thing, when I'm doing an interview with someone, I'm listening for anything that they say that does not line up with what I know to be true at that moment. Mm -hmm. When I say at that moment, what I mean by that is they could tell me something and I question them and they go, no, it wasn't like this. And it was like this because of this and this and this. So what I thought was true at that moment, I changed because I trust this person or what they told me, they gave me a legitimate reason to, to understand that. So we'll go on down to the, uh, let's go on down to the new Testament, which is uh, a good portion of the new Testament is written by a guy named Paul. And Paul is my favorite uh, biblical character because Paul's writings are just amazing. And Paul actually killed Christians. He was, um, he had killed, they say, they estimate 13 or 1400 Christians. Wow. He was absolutely dead set against Christianity, against Christians. And he had a, they call it the, uh, I think it's the, they call it the Damascus Road experience. Um. And what happened was, and man, I got to look that up because I don't want to tell you something wrong because uh, I'm, I'm going from memory. I wasn't planning on going down this road, but I am going down this road. Um, so Paul Damascus Road. While you do that, Billy, I'll vouch for you as far as you, you're always, when you're doing these interviews, um, you're, you're always listening. And I can tell because there'll be things that'll stand out to me and I'll look over at you and I can tell that you've called it too, because yeah. you, know, I, you really know your, you really know the story of the guy uh, as far mm -hmm. as time frames and places we, you know, that he was and things like that. You're really good at that. Uh, well, and it, helps, I, it helps. It, it helps now in these interviews when we are talking to people, um, and you know, some people could just be off on, on, on dates and, and, and timeframes and stuff like that, but you're, there's a lot of that. Well, I appreciate that. And there's a lot of that, but I think the timeline is very, very important in a story. Yeah. But let's get back to Paul for just a moment and then we'll talk about timeline. All right. So Paul has the, and I was right. It was the, they call it the Damascus road experience. Basically he's going down Damascus road and God blinded him. And ask him, why dost thou kick against the pricks? That's how he put it. <laughs> and, and that's how he said it. How, why dost thou kick against the pricks? So um, that Damascus Road experience changed Paul's life. And he went on to be a Christian and ended up dying a Christian. You know, he was martyred. And um, so my point is, is this is a guy that was 100% against a thing had a God experience and then he was 100% for it and then ended up writing. Um, I think they say it's, they estimate 60% of the new Testament and this guy was killing Christians at one point. Yeah. So it's also a thing where God, uh, a person can change just because a person was always one way. doesn't mean that they're always that way. So the other thing that you've got to be careful of is writing people off. It's easy to write a person off and go, you know what? That person told me something wasn't right. I'm done with them. So 
I've gone back to the well with one person in particular, and we're never going to mention any names here, but I've gone back to the well with that person multiple times. And what I'm saying is they've told me things that I found out were not true, but I would go back to them again and ask them other stuff and just pray to God that it was true. <laughs> and you still and and i'll be honest there's some things i i just don't know i don't know if it's true or not i just don't know because i'm getting so many conflicting stories and then you add in on top of that uh two um uh personalities to re a, a, a relationship between two people clouding the the truth because one person is trying to say, well, that person doesn't know what they're talking about. That person is saying, well, that person doesn't know what they're talking about. Yeah. So one person will, ch I believe that one of those people will change the history to try to make the other one look like a fool. I believe that one of those people changed the history to try to make me look like a fool and you look like a fool. Yeah. Yeah. But to I me, it backfired so. and uh, the only people that look like fools is not me and you. Yeah, I agree, but that's that's just that all. All I'm saying is when that's why you've got to get an exponential look at at the history of anything. You can't just go to one person yeah. and get their perspective because they will lie to you to reinforce their part of the story to make their part of the story bigger than it was. We've talked about Munchausen by Elvis before. Uh, uh, and MBE is what I call it. If you ever watch an interview and you hear me say, this person is clearly MBE, that's what I'm talking about. This yep. person is just making up stuff. Yep. And, uh, and we find that, man, there's so many people, and I know you get them. I get stories all the time. I just saw a story recently. What was that one that was recent where Elvis, uh, they claimed that he was buying a house uh, outside of Asheville. He was supposed to go to when he was there in 75 in those three concerts, he, him and the, and the Colonel were supposed to go look at a piece of property in North Carolina in Asheville. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. Uh, uh, oh yeah. Are you, you, are you talking about, there's a uh, new place that you can stay at? That's mm. not what you're talking about. Okay. No, that's you're a about different something. one. That's in Missouri. Yeah. So that's and, another one that they claimed that he came to this house and stayed. And, you know, we, we know by their, you know, Elvis in the seventies, I mean, we got, we had this knowledge for multiple people. As we talk about, we know their schedules. We know how they did things. We know that Elvis is in a hotel room closest to the elevator. They get into the service elevator, service elevator, not the elevator, service elevator, wherever that's closest to a room at the end point of the hall. That's where he probably was. He's in a service elevator. He's in his car. He's at the show on a show on the concert. He's back in the car and probably in the Lisa Marie or back to that hotel room. That's right. And even when he stayed in Memphis, there's evidence that he wouldn't stay at Graceland. He would stay at the Holiday Inn because he wanted, because they wanted to, it to be that on the road thing, that feeling. And, and, um, so there's, and to talk, okay. So let's go to the Missouri one, for instance. And this is what we're talking about, friends. This is, but some of it's so easy to figure out. The Missouri house, they claim that it's an Airbnb and they claim that Elvis stayed there in 57 and in 74, was it 74 or 73? It was, I think it was 73. I think yeah, it was 73. And let me tell you, I can't find any evidence of Elvis staying at someone's house on tour ever. Can you? 
in the 70s. Not in the 70s, you know. I no. cannot. No. Not now, I can find evidence in the 50s of Elvis going to people's houses yeah. and maybe staying at someone's house. Mm -hmm. But this house in 57, what's interesting is we can look at the tour dates. Okay. So the date where they're driving, and back then there was no airplanes that they were using. You know, there was airplanes, but Elvis wasn't using airplanes except for on a very, very small scale. Um, but he had a bad experience with an airplane in, I believe it was Arkansas, and said that was the end of that and didn't do that again. Um, we've not told that story, I don't think. And um, But anyway, maybe maybe one day we'll go find that airport. And. And anyway, the, uh, the what's interesting is, and this ended up being a darn Elvis podcast, boy. We, yeah, how'd you do this? Always, <laughs> it just comes back around to it. We're going to get back to the history yeah. part here. Yeah. Like. And uh, but anyway, what's interesting is where they drove from the night before. They did a concert that night. They drove from and came here. Um, they would have had if basically if Elvis didn't sleep. He would have had time to go to that house or he would have had time to go to that house and sleep there. Right. The next night, I think they did two shows in that city. And then yeah. it was like today would have been an 11 hour drive. Back then it would have been about a 13 or 14 hour drive. So there's no way that he stayed over and stayed at this house that they're claiming. I just don't think Elvis ever went there. Now, I can I say he absolutely didn't know. But if you go back and look at the evidence, the evidence points to the, so the likelihood of him being there. Go ahead. The house is in Missouri. Was that yeah, right? I think it's Missouri. All right, because I want to get that date correct. And it's and, um and Missouri may not be right, but it seems like do you see the the town? Yeah, no, I have no, it no it's right Iowa. There. It's Sioux City, Iowa. Yeah, okay. So and it's in, Iowa. Well, I'm I was gonna okay, so it's Iowa. So it said that he was, I guess, touring Kansas City in fifty-six. So yeah, let's that's look right. at that. It was Kansas City. He was in Sioux City, Iowa the night before. Sioux City, Kansas Iowa. City. Okay, so May the 23rd, he was in Sioux City. May 24th, he was in Kansas City. May 25th, Detroit, Michigan. Fox okay. Theater. Okay, the drive from – that's right. We've been to the Fox Theater. The drive from Kansas City to the Fox Theater today is 11 hours. And the first – then – go ahead. The 21st of May before he came to uh, – um, uh, the 22nd of May, he was in uh, uh, Des uh, Moines, Des Moines, Des Moines, Iowa. Yeah. Des Moines, Iowa. I think Iowa. Sioux City to Kansas today is about a four-hour drive. So back then, it would have been a five- or six-hour drive. So there's potential on that day. But I think they did – does it show two shows at Kansas City? It shows that he played in Kansas City. Or was the Fox Theater two shows? Yeah, I'm looking, I'm looking. Which are Kansas City. So yeah, all I'm I, saying is you can go back and find out some things that people say based off of that, based off of distance, dates, what I call hard evidence or or structured evidence. One show, 8 p.m. Okay, so the next night, Fox was two shows then. Yeah, so it would have been a matinee. So that means that he had to arrive early, right? Right, and there's all those photos from that day. Yep. So to get there in 13 hours and do to the matinee show, he basically had to sleep while they were driving. Yeah, and we know they did that because yeah. um, uh, our friend uh, Jimmy Rogers told us how they did yeah. stuff. You know, yeah. they would drive and then sleep. Somebody else Who? would drive. You mean somebody was with Elvis on tour in the car with him? You mean that guy? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. The yeah. one. Yeah. Our friend, <laughs> Jimmy Roger Snow. Yeah. That you and I yeah. had a guest last year at Elvis Week. Yeah. Yeah. And Jimmy is uh, 85 or 86 now. He gets around good as I do. Oh, he's sharp. And uh, what a, a fantastic human being. Uh, but what we're talking about with these these timelines and all these things, the timeline is very, 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 very important. And I have the timeline in my brain, and I know you have it in your brain too. So somebody could say something when we're listening and just go, mm, eh. And also you look at a person's uh, personality, how they generally conduct themselves. Most people are creatures of habit. I'm a creature of habit. I generally do the same thing the same way every single time, just for the simplicity of it. And I think most people are like that. When Now, that doesn't mean that I can't get outside of that habit at some moment, but that's the exception, not the norm. That's, that's uh, highly uh, unusual to get outside of the, of the box, if you will. Um, so our point here is, is get your information about, if you want to really learn about a subject, get your information from a lot of different people not just one person. And I'm talking about a subject like knowing a person. Now, if you want to get your information about how to fix a hot tub, you come to the spa guy, of course. If you want to get your information about how to go run a business uh, to to uh, uh, push a, a new business, you go to Trey. That's what he does. Mm-hmm. So all I'm saying is, is there's people that are experts in their field But when it comes to history, man, you've got to really look around and look at the modern day uh, news organizations. Let's let's just go there for a moment. We're coming up on a on a little uh, thing here. Hide up, thank you, thank you very much. I mean, we've got three minutes left, so let me say this about this: when if you think that getting a George Washington book right or an Elvis book right is a monumental task. Getting what the truth is out there in the news is a highly monumental task because I promise you the vast majority of the things that you hear on the news are not, especially political things, are not the way that they're telling you it happened. It's just not. Everything is skewed in one direction or another left or right. And so digging into that, the only way you're ever going to get to the truth of any of that is you've got to educate yourself and know what's really, really going on behind the scenes. But more importantly than that is don't rely on a man when it comes to those things. Rely on God. Go to that Bible, take it and eat it, like Paul said. That's the only thing that you can rely on today when it comes to worldly things and the things of your life. That's the only thing that you can rely on. The rest is just chaos. And if you look around, uh, the Bible says that God is not the author of confusion. If you look around, we don't have anything but confusion out there now. It's just total chaos. We've got uh, uh, men claiming that they're women and playing in women's sports. You know, in my opinion, they deserve an A-whooping. That's what they deserve. You know, if you want to play in a sport, you you can, but 
as long as you're a biological male, you're not playing in women's sports. And to even entertain that is total stupidity. And, uh, and it's hypocrisy as well, because those same people are also saying things about women. Well, you know, uh, women uh, need to be paid as much as a man, and they need to do this, and they need to do that. We need to protect women. And then you go do this to women. So which way is it? Yeah. So if it is confusing, it is not of God. Just know that, which means it's of who? The devil. That's exactly right. So if it's confusing, it's from the devil. Get away from it. Don't support it. Run. And uh, so we squeezed a little Jesus into this. So let me ask you, Billy. Elvis. <laughs> so let me ask you. So would you consider the guy that wrote that book that won the Pulitzer Prize for George Washington's autobiography or biography, whatever you call it, is he a George Washington historian? Absolutely 100%. And that is because... This guy did his work. That's what he I said. did an exponential study and did the work and he didn't phone it in. He didn't he, phone it in. He wanted he wanted to do the best that he could do, and he went and explored. And he probably he it probably led him to actually go to these places. That's right. You know, and he probably yeah. uncovered stuff by that way for his uh, work. Yeah, I'm sure he did. I'm sure he went to. Uh, George Washington's plantation and all Mount those Vernon. different things to Mount Vernon to get to understand uh, who this person was. That's that's one of the ways that you do it. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's a good point. Uh, but, yeah, I do believe the guy is a valid George Washington historian. Did he ever know George Washington? No. Mm -hmm. Didn't need to know. In fact, if he knew George Washington, he probably wouldn't make a great historian because it would skew his view of who this person was. Would you say, I think that that's a valid point. I that, think people that actually point. knew them is that skews your view of that person uh, because you and I have even uh, talked about that on some level. Uh, we may not have liked who Elvis Presley is. You know, on the surface, you see him in, in person. He's a great guy and good to the fans and all that. But behind the scenes, mm -hmm. appears to be a different person. And a lot of people that were behind the scenes with him didn't have a lot of good things to say. So mm -hmm. I think on some level, we're lucky we didn't know it. Right. Yeah. And that, I could, that is a valid point, Billy. Yeah. A valid point because, you know, you just have the outside view of the guy. Yeah. Um, and then when you kind of do like what we have done, then you gather a whole different story of him because you hear other stories from all kinds of multiple people, as we say. Stories I mean, we can you know, never tell. Girlfriends. <laughs> friends of the girlfriends that rode around with him. I mean, knowing that Elvis cussed a lot for real and they just, yeah. was, they couldn't believe what the words that he would use. And then Jimmy Rogers never hearing him cuss. What did that tell us? He was yeah. different around different people. That's right. You see what I'm saying? And, and right. everyone is kind of like that. You yeah. know, everyone is kind of like that. If you kind of look into your own self. Yeah. Uh, you know, you carry yourself a certain way uh, with someone else than you do with someone else that you're close with. Yeah. Um, but yeah, not one person's word. Everyone that you can find that has a story that you know has a story with the with the subject. That's who you go at. That's how That's you right. conclude a picture of a a person. That's it. And you still. 
can't be 100% right, of course, as right. we say multiple times, you know. All right. Thank you all so much. Thank you for watching or listening. This is Wickwam wishing Cotton was a monkey with Spa Guy and Trey. Till we see you again, adios. Thank <laughs> you.